Good day and welcome to the Better Modesto Show on KFIV 1360 and live on the iHeartRadio app. This is your host, Ulysses Vasquez, co-host. It's just me. It's just me today. However, I am not alone. I am joined by a very special guest. Um, She is someone who has a heart for kiddos and families and we'll get to learn a little bit more of what the specialty that she has decided to put her focus and her passion into. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to introduce, she is the founding executive director of Jessica's House, Erin Nelson. Yes. Is that Erin? Yes, that's right. Okay. Thank you so much, Ulysses, for having me today. Thank you very much. Well, I'm super glad uh, for you being here and taking the time to spend here with me during this podcast. Well, I'm grateful to be here. Looking forward to it. Yeah. You know, you were talking about the beach a little bit. I was. You were. You were at a beach. I did. I took a little time to take a drive and spent some time with family at the beach. And yeah, it was really nice. Yeah. That's that's super sweet. Which one? Oh, yeah. So we were at, um, so Sunset Beach. It's like in the Santa Cruz area. Okay. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Yeah, it was really nice just to be with family and relax. Yeah, I, you know, especially because I'm going to intro you into a little bit more of your story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's so important to do the things that bring us joy. Yes. And to especially, um, our works can can take a lot out of us. It's so true. Yes. And so you have to find what brings you life. And I think just being with my children and my grandchildren, it's just so nice to be together. That is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, is it the sand? Is it the water? What is it? Oh, my you? goodness. I know. I think maybe looking at the water and just seeing beauty and being together in that space is really important. That is. Mm-hmm. That is. So I want to take us back a little bit to, you know, you're executive director of Jessica's house. Yes. Um, it's a very it has a very unique history because it's very much tied to you. Hmm. And so um, I just wanted to ask, can you share a little bit about your personal journey and what led you to you sitting here mm-hmm. as the founding executive director of Jessica's house? Yes, thank you. I you know I had a story of loss um, for myself and I was a young mom, my children were five and three, and my husband, Tyler, he was um, fishing with his friends up in Alaska, and he had his two friends, and they were just having a really good time, and you know, in Alaska, they kind of use planes as cars, and on their way home from the lodge one day, their plane collided with another airplane, and Mm. so everybody involved in that accident died and you know I got that like kind of classic middle of the night phone call that you know you hear about but you never think will be Mm. your story yeah and so um we had a friend who called and um you know my brother-in-law called and just let us know that that he had died and so my children were five and three I had never gone through any type of loss before Mm. and I just learned so much at that time about what you need when you're grieving and how alone you can feel and so that personal story of loss combined with some other losses I had really led me to want to bring something to the Central Valley uh, that can help people who are grieving and especially uh, children who are grieving a parent or a sibling 
to know that they're not alone and to learn how to have the coping skills they need to express themselves, to heal. And so that's how Jessica's House um, came about, which is myself and a group of very committed, dedicated individuals who also wanted this. They also had grief stories. And so we came together and just said, how can we make this happen? Yeah. Yeah. It's... It's a, it was a tragic loss. It was a tragic loss. And that's that's hard. It was really hard. It was so shocking. And, you know, you, you wake up in the morning and you think, oh my goodness, that really happened. And you, it's so disorienting. He was a farmer. We worked together every day. And to acclimate to life without someone when they were part of your every day, mm. it's so huge. And so... I just had that like firsthand experience of like, wow, this is really big. And I never really understood that before. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing the the story. Um, I know, especially on your bio, like that's something that I presume you have to continue to share. Mm-hmm. And that's that must be difficult. Mm-hmm. Is it part of the to to heal as well as you share it so vulnerably? I think it does help, you know, you as we tell our stories, like we all have them, right? And what changes us so much is the pain in our lives. And so to tell that story and to hear other people's stories, I think that's really important and it is part of our healing. Yeah, there, there's a song by Switchfoot. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, I'm a big fan. Yes. And they have a song called The Wounds is Where the Light Shines Through. Mm. And I really feel like there's mm-hmm. some light that has shined from the tragedy. Yes. And uh, and from like the hurt and the waking up in the morning and realizing like this is not a dream. Right. This is like a real living difficult situation yes. of hardship that not a lot of people experience. Right, exactly. And maybe at that age with your kids. Um, that that seems like a rare occasion, but it's a real occasion. It is that a happens real occasion. It life. does happen. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, especially as Jessica's house started, I don't think we really understood how often it happens, mm. and you can feel so alone. But you know, we get calls like almost every day about a loss um, that a child has experienced of a parent or sibling, and so it does happen more often than you realize. So I'm, I'm curious, so you went from, obviously now you've recognized like the need and it's like a yes. lot more, and especially because you're sharing those grief spaces right. and a home for it. Because uh, w- you said, and then you got together with the people mm-hmm. who were also grieving mm-hmm. as well. Yes. You, you went from grieving and mm-hmm. being in grieving support spaces mm-hmm. to pivoting a little bit. Like, tell me about that pivot as you started to, get gain with gather together with other people yeah and then this idea started running right so um so after my husband died um like i said i just felt i felt alone in a lot of ways and then my mom actually died shortly after my husband and my sister who was 15 at the time came to live with us so we really just um Mm. we we were healing as a family and also i felt a little bit lost like how do i help a teenager who's grieving and Mm. how do i help my children and how do you help a teenager's grieving while you're grieving yes and we're all grieving right everyone's grieving and you don't really know what to do and so it really took time i i 
I really searched for others who were doing grief support in other spaces. And I learned about a place in Portland, Oregon called the Dougie Center. What was it called? The Dougie Center. The Dougie Center. Yes. And they have opened, they opened in 1980. And so they've been open for over 30 years. Mm. And they were the very first children's bereavement center in the United States and went on to inspire about 400 other centers across the nation. So when I heard about them and had a phone call with them, I I just started thinking like, oh, how could we bring this to the Central Valley? I personally, just as time went on and I was healing, I was working um, in my church and just kind of trying to help in very practical ways. Other people um, who I knew were grieving started taking classes and um, just wanting to learn more and then heard about the Dougie Center. And that's when we started saying like, hey, we need to start our own nonprofit. Yeah, that's that is a courageous journey, by the way, mm. to go through and to be in those different spaces, holding the things that you're holding, and eventually moving on to a space where you're kind of willing to hold for other people as well, yes. the grief and and the loss as well. So it sounds like the journey started there, mm-hmm. and then continued. It seems to get bigger, and you started getting new ideas, mm-hmm. and so I'm really excited as we. For our, and for our listeners as well to hear a little bit more about from getting from there and now how does Jessica House yeah. start coming about? So we'll, yes. we'll hear more about that after the break. Okay. You've been listening to The Better Medesto Show on KFIV 1360 and live on the iHeartRadio app and you can listen to us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and also feel free to follow us on social media as well. Catch you after the break. Welcome back to the Better Modesto Show on KFIV 1360 and live on the iHeartRadio app. This is your host, Ulysses Vasquez, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. She is the founding executive director of Jessica's House, Erin Nelson. Thank you. Yeah, welcome and thank you for sharing the space with us. I'm grateful to be here. Or us as in me and the ghost of, right? I of know. Chris Ricky. <laughs> We miss you, Chris. Yes, we miss you. <laughs> and um, so we left off the previous break, and we were talking about going now, getting these ideas, uh, having a desire for a children bereavement house to be here in the Central yeah. Valley, and and then it it started. It started. So yes. tell us about how that mission, how that, how did it inspire to what it is today? Yes. Yeah, so. I, we started just talking, um, Michael Everett, who's Jessica's dad, okay. and um, he's such an inspirational guy who really wants to do good in the community. And he was, after his daughter Jessica died, he was looking for a place for his son Mitchell um, to find some support. Mm. And we, we got together, Mitchell and my son Cody were friends, and we got together and really talked about this, and I shared with him about the Dougie Center, and we started talking and the hospital we had a local hospital Emmanuel Medical Center which was a nonprofit in um, in hospital in Turlock and they asked if I would come and just do a presentation about this idea of Jessica's house because they thought it would be a really good fit hmm. for our local hospital so we actually first launched as a department of our local hospital. Uh, in Turlock. In Turlock, yeah. yes. And they were part of a larger organization called Covenant Ministries of Benevolence. So after that nonprofit hospital sold to a for-profit tenant, 
uh, we were retained under Covenant Ministries of Benevolence. So we continue mm. to operate under that mission of really serving the vulnerable and underserved. And at what point, take us the timeline there again? So Yeah, so we opened our doors in April of 2012, and we launched as Jessica's House into the community. And we really just started with one child, one family, and then it just kept growing. It kept doubling in size every year. And in 2018, we had a waiting list, and I don't think we ever expected that. And we started just saying, like, we need to do something. So we did a couple of years ago. We went through a capital campaign and we opened up a new home in Turlock that's on West Christofferson and now we can serve the 800 individuals that come to us every month. Wow, 800 individuals? Yes, and that is, does include our school groups as well. We have school groups on um, various campuses in the Turlock, mostly the Turlock area. Yeah, and and we were talking about this during our, our break uh, about how there's more kiddos to be served and yes. because grief and loss doesn't just affect the families but also affects the friends mm-hmm. and I assume that's where the school groups are coming from is that yeah so most so the children who come to to Jessica's house have experienced the death of a parent or a sibling and the how the group works is it's for the whole family and so as um, so the adult caregiver comes along with the child and we're serving children from zero just babies sometimes mm. um, up to young adults yeah. and so we're serving the entire family and um, and so what we notice is that yes and you're right and is and what we noticed was that not everybody can come to Jessica's house and that's why we started the school groups and sometimes maybe a work schedule or something else will affect when you know an adult caregiver can't bring their child and so we wanted to start those school groups to make sure we were meeting the need wow so it's I mean it sounds like you all are going beyond just the children you guys are going to babies and also the other people who are affected which it seems like a very holistic approach you it is and i think it did organically grow i can remember a dad who came to us early on when we were serving our age group was three to 18 but he had a one-year-old and you know he you just think you know maybe some people have families and maybe they have support or neighbors that would watch a child you know a one-year-old while you went to a grief support group but you know he didn't have anybody Mm. to support him in that and we realized that so i really put that on the wish list like we need a space for babies and just that we call them pre-littles so we have a pre-littles room for zero to three and and how it works is that families come in and they have dinner together first we have groups mondays through thursdays Mm. we have all different kinds of groups sibling loss and parent loss we have everyone gets together everyone gets together and has dinner together all of our volunteers we have about 200 volunteers and all of our staff and we get together we have dinner and the and after dinner's over when the group time starts the adults go upstairs in their groups and then um, the children teens and young adults are downstairs in their groups and so they the whole family is able to have support during that time Mm. that that is a a special table Mm -hmm. that that is holding a lot of people who are trying to hold themselves together. Yes. And tell us, what is that like to sit at a table? Mm. Maybe, I mean, I imagine our listeners, some might say, well, that, that might be awkward. Like, mm. how would I even navigate a space mm. and a table filled with people who grief? What, yeah. How would I sit at that table? 
You know, I think what it is about is it's about them holding each other. Hmm. And so what's really neat about it is that they all have a similar story. So if we have a parent loss group, they've all very much have a similar story, sibling loss. We have a group called Hope After Suicide. We have a Hope After Homicide group. Mm. We have a Hope After Overdose group. And we have a Pregnancy and Infant Loss group. So when they come in, many times it's the very first time that they've ever met anyone else with their, a very similar story. We had a child in a group, and when it was their very first group, and they went around their talking circle, because you always start in a talking circle before they go and do art and just do different expressive activities. And he said, my dad died, you know, my name is, um, you know, he introduced himself. And then he said, my dad died. And each person goes around the circle and they say their name, how old they are and um, who died in their family and then how they died. And each person said, my dad died. And he said, why are you copying me? And Hmm. we were like, no, actually, like everyone um, who's here has had their dad die. And he was so so surprised Mm. and there's so much power in knowing you're not alone and so that's what happens in jessica's house in every room those stories are told and so like 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 last night we had a sibling loss group so every parent who is together they're supporting each other after the loss of their child and so it's so powerful so much of the time they don't know anyone else and then every child and teen and young adult has experienced the loss of their siblings so it's very supportive and I think they hold each other so well Hmm. I think there's something lovely there about sometimes we think that I have to hold myself together. If I've gone through some tragedy, trauma, or or loss, yeah. That and I, I like that reframe of actually who is holding you mm-hmm. in this time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes we get caught up that we have to be holding ourselves, right. each other, or hold yeah. myself up by my yeah. bootstraps right. or by my brace or mm. by being a little stronger. And I, that is difficult. I it is that is difficult to do and. I feel like not really the way that we were really created or built mm-hmm. as as human beings. Absolutely. You know, sometimes we abandon ourselves, right? And we, you know, like you said, and I think with when you're grieving, people give you those bucket messages, right? Like you're strong, you can do it and you know all of those messages and you know, knowing there's somebody else that you can lean on, it really does matter. And I were working within, you know, grief kind of being energy in your body and you need to keep that flow going and be able to like as you're feeling something that you're expressing it, right? And that is really how we heal and with grief what people teach us is that there's that building and then it's like a peaking and then a re- natural receding. Mm. So as they um, as they experience that they know that there's hope on the other side of that kind of buildup of like feeling that feeling of knowing that it does dissipate and when you're met with support it really matters yeah yeah then the the dissipation doesn't mm-hmm. feel so isolated and alone absolutely and, and i i really appreciate the the idea that feelings can be acted out they can yes. be expressed in other ways creative ways yes. in in standing and pounding clay Mm -hmm. and drawing absolutely uh, or crying which you know usually is the one associated with right with grief but there's so many different ways to feel our feelings there's so many different ways and that really is what jessica's house is built upon is they 
the kids check in in their talking circle and then they get to go to a sand tray room or they get to go to the music room. We have a hospital room. We have a slow movement room where they can do yoga or swinging. We have an outdoor like little low ropes course where they can get energy out of the body. But when they learn that connection and you know, you can't worry and actually catch a ball at the same time. Mm. (laughs) And so we're also kind of like teaching them like, what does it feel like to have a focused activity? Yeah, And to know what it feels like to focus on something that has your attention and maybe you can not worry so much about your future or what happened in the past, but anything that they can do to focus, to express, to do art, to do music, it really helps that flow continue of feeling the pressure a lot of times of that feeling, but letting it move through them in healthy ways. Yeah. There's uh, many ways to express. Many ways. And it reminds me of a song by Mr. Rogers. He said, there's many ways to say I love you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and I think you can fill in the blank. There's many ways to, to say that I'm hurting or that I'm sad, or there's yes. many ways to express that I'm hurting or that I'm sad. Absolutely. So, and yeah, and sometimes like sadness is underneath anger. Maybe anger is like sadness is bodyguard in some ways. So mm-hmm. you may see a child who is really um, showing behaviors, you know, but then what's underneath that? Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you naming these things. I, I don't think, I know for myself, this is a treat because I don't think I'm in a space where I get to hear about this topic. And I really look forward to the next segment to talking about how and why this grief and this child grief awareness Mm -hmm. is important today. What is the value that it brings here to our community? So we'll talk a little bit more about that after the break. Maybe you might hear Mr. Rogers again. Yes, Uh, I'm a big fan. (laughs) Okay, same. Well, you've been listening to The Better Medesto Show on KFIV 1360 and live on the iHeartRadio app. This is your host, Ulysses Vasquez, and our very special guest, my very special guest, uh, for ours as listeners, Erin Nelson, Executive Director of Jessica's House. Catch you after the break. Welcome back to the Better Modesto Show on KFIV 1360 and live on the iHeartRadio app. This is your host, Ulysses Vasquez, joined by my very esteemed guest. She is the Executive Director and Founder of Jessica's House, and her name is Erin Nelson. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. Yes, thanks for having me. Yeah, I've I've really appreciated this conversation and talking about grief is not easy mm-hmm. and these subjects are hard to talk about. Uh, yet I, I really feel like this this has been you've made it safe to talk about. Mm-hmm. You've made it okay to talk about. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate that you're doing that in our community. And I actually do um, have a connection. I was reading this book uh, about um, how children have dealt with with dying uh, and death. And it was by a French doctor who observed that kids who were in themselves going to pass away, so they had a terminal illness of some sort. Um, in the past, because of old cultural norms, parents or doctors would hesitate to even tell Mm -hmm. the child that they were actually passing away Mm -hmm. and let lead led them to a sort of silence and like they would just Mm -hmm. just before go silent and they found out Mm -hmm. that actually talking about understanding like children understand um, death but they also can understand what's happening and they want to know what's happening they're trying to grasp 
at this new reality of a missing person in their life whom they loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it's incredible that we've gone to this place where we, now we have a place where people are being supported, mm-hmm. people are being upheld mm-hmm. and holding each other, mm-hmm. and that we can talk about it in yes. a way that 100 years ago it would have been taboo to do with children. It's very true, and what you said is so accurate that children they know right they know when someone's missing we like to say if a child's old enough to love they're old enough to grieve and even very young children they're so aware of their environment i feel like they know when their caregiver or parent is just even breathing differently right Mm. they're so in tune with um with their caregivers and what's going on and any stressors in the environment and i also think what you said is so profound and that they really want to know the truth. And that's one of the, I think the biggest talking points that we have with parents as they come to us and they, you know, as they want to explain to the child, you know, what happened, we always encourage the truth because so much of the time, you know, they'll hear from maybe a cousin or a neighbor, you know, death is a public record. And so um, we want children to look to their caregiver for truth Mm. and to be their source of information. And there's so much trust built when you have a conversation with your child and they can ask you anything and they know you're going to tell them the truth. And so I feel like death, especially when it comes early in life, is a really good opportunity to, to build upon that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is a, an opportunity to continue building that trusted relationship mm-hmm. with the people who now are are there and left uh, to take care of this person. Yeah. And so they know that, I'm sure they know that there's something that's different about you. Mm-hmm. There's something that is different about their day now. Yes. There's something different about their rooms and things in their home. Absolutely. And so those are things that they will take notice they, they notice every change, somebody new, different putting them to bed, some, somebody different making dinner, taking them to school, the empty place at the table. They're, it's, it's such a big change for them. And so to be able to talk about it is really important. Yeah, you, you uh, have a, a saying um, that whatever you, if you can name it, to mm-hmm. tame it. Mm-hmm. And so I think it really goes, goes into that, being able to just talk about it yeah. makes, makes it a stronger relationship between the people who are who are there together, going yes. through this together. Absolutely, Dr. Dan Siegel, I think, was our the person who said that originally, and it is really important. It just it feels more manageable when you can talk about it, but also, like I said, it's like sometimes even if a child has trauma, sometimes they can't actually tell their story, mm-hmm. but they can express in other ways, which is why we want to have all of these therapeutic spaces and really invite them to find out what is a way that they can express that feels safe for them. And there are direct um, studies done. And if a child can express themselves about the death and they can really um, just in some way express themselves, then they do much better and the risk factors um, lower. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I can imagine that. I, mean, I think for adults, I would imagine as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. that if you are able to really recognize what's happening inside of you and name the feelings that mm-hmm. are going on, Absolutely. it allows us to cope better and even know what to do in that situation. Yes. So if for an adult that's helpful, and imagine for a child 
with limited language on mm-hmm. feelings and less time in their own bodies, mm-hmm. having any way to express that is going to be a healthy thing. So important. For um, also, similarly, I've heard name and tame. Mm-hmm. Uh, Margaret McFarlane, who was the psychologist who worked with Mr. Rogers, mm-hmm. whom you're a fan of, yes. which is so cool. Yes. And uh, she, her saying was, if it's if it's mentionable, it's manageable. Absolutely. And that, I think it's, it just carries the same vein. It really does. I, I wanted to know, today we're having this interview November 15th. Yes. Tomorrow is a very unique day, closely associated mm-hmm. to your work. Yes. What, what is November 16th? Yes. So every year, uh, the Thursday before Thanksgiving, we observe Children's Grief Awareness Day. And this is a really important day to bring awareness of the benefits um, that support offer to children and who are grieving. And so we also want to highlight that the holidays are really tough for kids who are mm. grieving. And so we observe this every year. And then we always wear blue in bringing awareness to how, um, how support is so beneficial to children who are grieving. Yeah. So you wear blue. Is there a reason it's blue? It's blue. You know, that's a good question. I know that that was selected as the color that we um, that was chosen. It's a national day okay. that we yeah. that we observe children's grief awareness. And a statistic that we like to talk about, and I think it's pretty surprising, is that one in twelve one in twelve children will experience the death of a parent or a sibling by mm. the age of eighteen, and that doubles um, to being about one in six when they turn twenty five. And there are so many risk factors associated with unsupported grief. And so bringing awareness to that, that it's about three children in a classroom of 30. So it really matters that um, that teachers and educators and, you know, other professionals supporting children understand the risk factors um, when a child experiences the death of a parent or sibling and um, in all the ways that we can support them and what a difference it makes to lower those risk factors. Yeah. Take us quickly. I appreciate you putting in the context of schools because mm-hmm. a lot of us have interacted with elementary schools. I used to be a substitute teacher and, you know, it just changes the way I see a classroom. Just almost like mm-hmm. who's having behaviors? Why are they having yeah. behaviors? Yeah. Uh, what are some of those risk factors? What are some of those things yeah. you want to go over them? Absolutely. And so we're, you know, if you think about this school, I mean, kids will say to us, like, I could tell my teacher was talking, but it was like, I couldn't really hear them. Mm. They have a lot of worries about, you know, sometimes it's the very first time that anything's ever happened to them. And they're worried, like, now that my dad died, will my mom also die? So they mm. have these worries. And so, you know, being able to have coping skills. So the risk factors with um, school, school performance, learning, um, mental health, and even physical health. And so we do really consider a death, the death of a parent or sibling to be um, an adverse childhood experience, which has a lot of, you know, um, yeah, yeah, exactly, an ACE, and to understand that there are so many risk factors involved in having higher ACE scores, and when a child has that, you know, support is so important. Yeah, and I appreciate you naming that, especially bringing that new language of mm-hmm. the ACE, because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of kiddos I would say, I mean, as you mentioned, a one of every 12, and then you have one of six, so you get to 25. Yes. And thinking through that, even as young adults, people are still developing, still growing. They are. And so 
you know, you're still really taking an account and taking kind of a inventory of what the world is like. It's true. For, for a long, big part of their early life. It's so important. And, you know, in that young adulthood, they're looking to their parents to guide them in really big life decisions. And so to gather with other young adults and just be able to just talk and, and find that support, it really is powerful. And I think something that we didn't expect from Jessica's house is that these families are connecting outside of Jessica's house and Mm. I just think friendship is so sustainable I mean we need our community we need friends we had a group of moms who was um, they were featured in the Modesto B where they they met each other in group and they all their husbands all had a similar type of cancer who died Mm. and they ended up doing a marathon together and they're still like best friends they go on vacation together and they support each other and they take care of each other's kids and so I think just the sustainable part of support that you you know we're kind of creating a space for that but then the uh, the adult you know the um the families just like I said just take such good care of each other yeah and I love as, as I'm closing out this the segment is that you're caring for them there but mm-hmm. as you have people who are caring around you and supportive mm-hmm. and empathetic with you naturally you're going to want to be them with them again yeah, you know you're going to want to spend time with them again yes. so I, I'm grateful that that is something you've seen come out of mm-hmm. of your work so yes. so we'll We'll talk more after the break. You've been listening to The Better Modesto Show on KFIV 1360 and live on the iHeartRadio app. This is your host, Lissa Vasquez, and joined today by my very special guest. She is the founding executive director of Jessica's House, Erin Nelson. Welcome back to The Better Modesto Show on KFIV 1360 and live on the iHeartRadio app. This is your host, Ulysses Vasquez, joined by my very special guest. She is the founding executive director of Jessica's House, Erin Nelson. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Yeah, this has been a a really enriching conversation that I think I'm glad our listeners are here Mm. to to join us in this this time and in this space. Because, yeah, especially with those stats, like at, at... at that point, if you get to 30, 35, mm-hmm. if you get older, everyone, yeah. a big majority of people will have gone through some kind of loss. Absolutely. And as you get older and older, you have more loss mm-hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's, obviously, it's sad. Yeah. It also connects us, I think, and Absolutely. allows us to empathize with the people oh, around us. Yes. Another thing I wanted to touch on was, I, I appreciate that there's a call for friendship. Mm-hmm. I think there is something really rewarding about the bereavement home Mm -hmm. and the support, but also thinking about where does our support outside of that? Mm -hmm. And when you go home, what is that like? And I'm really glad that the people who are there supporting one another, holding Mm -hmm. one another, Mm -hmm. are are able to, you've seen that come to fruition. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's so rewarding to watch. Yeah. Well, if you, you listener or myself, wanted to get involved or hear more about Jessica's house um, to just see what yeah. it, what is this work? Where is this? This house is in Turlock. This house is in Turlock. Absolutely, it's just right off the freeway. I we would just I would love to invite your listeners to come take a tour of Jessica's house. We'd love to share just some opportunities we have 
we always have such a big need for volunteers and something that, um, you know, all of our support that we offer children and families is completely free as mm. well. And so if anybody's interested in learning how to become a donor, to be part of our heart circle, or um, come be a volunteer, and you may have listeners that have a personal story of grief, and that's always such a, just being able to invest your energy into something, and especially if you've come through your own grief story, being able to just connect with us, and we'd love to give you a tour, and your listeners can reach out just at info at jessicashouse.org, and um, and just please just get in touch with us, and we look really forward to connecting. Yeah, I can hear a few people saying, well, my story is not that one. I, I lost my grandmother later on. I was 26. Yeah. I was 27. Um, or, or you know, I I have a story of loss, but mm-hmm. this these seem a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Like, what? How would you encourage a volunteer to pr- proceed? And yeah. who are kind of having some second doubts, and we're like, yes. I don't belong in this, this yeah. space. And that's Aaron's so, really cool. Like, no, is, just yeah. like I think that's so valid because you know sometimes it's a little scary to know like how do you come alongside a family or a child an individual who's grieving and we just keep it so simple and it really just is about reflection we're not trying to solve anything at Jessica's house we are holding space for those who come to us and all we need to do is mirror their energy and reflect them and it's such a simple concept of peer support so you're really the word facilitate means to make it to make easier Mm. and so you're making it easier for kids for teens to connect together and that's just like about kind of sitting in a circle and just saying hey I noticed that your dad liked baseball and so did yours and just something like that something super simple but it could be just making those connections and just being with and you know sometimes they just want to play I think what you know children who are grieving often say like I'm just a kid like I love to have fun and you know they they can hold and I think it's a big marker for mental health they can hold excitement that maybe it's their birthday and also really be sad that their mom died they can hold that all at one time Mm. and we always want them to know that like don't ever feel shame because you're happy you know we had a dad who said when I'm happy like after his son died he said sometimes I laugh and then I feel the grief witch like hitting me over the head with her broom and but Mm. when you realize that you can hold the darkness and like at the same time it helps you to just go through that grief process more organically and I think for your listeners to know that you know kids just grieving kids they love to have fun and Mm. they just want someone to hang out with and just be curious about them and their story and just to be a good listener yeah I've heard that listening many times can be equated to love absolutely and it, it sounds like when one has lost someone that you loved very dearly. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone can hold or facilitate mm-hmm. or listen to you yes. or play with you, mm-hmm. you're loving them. Absolutely. It's the closest thing to feeling loved, I think, is to really be listened to and for somebody to be curious and really interested in in your story. It yeah. really matters. Well, I really hope that our our um, listeners are, are encouraged that they can hold and they can listen and they can 
with some proper training absolutely match and be equipped to do this work yes and we have a, about a two and a half day training that we offer we have one coming up in january okay. so if anyone's interested we would love to um, just have them get in touch with us yeah if i know you're a nonprofit, uh is there uh, ways that people can support you a business can support you and yes. any any needs that you also need yes for your work absolutely we have a wish list on our website and then we also have opportunities um, to join our heart circle and that is a community that we get together every couple months and we just have live music and we just really enjoy being together and we would love to uh, just uh, tell your listeners more about how to be part of the heart circle community yeah well that's great and i it's it sounds like there's so many different ways to get involved and i i'm encouraged because just being here is a good way to just listen in and hear more about it and be open with it and share it with a friend if there's someone who is going who's listening to this a caregiver Mm -hmm. a parent a sibling yeah what what are they're listening to this and what tips could mm-hmm. i could you share yeah. to those or someone who's listening and also is like i know someone is going through mm-hmm. this yeah how would you speak into that absolutely and if someone's listening to this i just would just say that if you need support we're here for you we offer open-ended support for as long as you need it and it's completely free and we would just welcome you through our front door and i hope that you'll reach out and just know that um, we also have a lot of resources on our website we have all kinds of different resources even about how to support your child the first few days after someone dies um, uniquely for suicide or homicide overdose and for um, you know after your if your child died just so many different resources that we can offer and of course just being here in person to welcome them and then for someone who really wants to support someone who's grieving I think you know what we talked about like listening just being there just showing up you don't have to fix it just letting them know hey I'm with you and you're just showing up in practical ways like hey like I'd love to pick something up or I'm going to the store I'm going to pick up something for you like what can I get you or just even sending um, dinner or you know mowing the lawn taking the garbage cans out to the road whatever it is just helping in practical ways I think like what you mentioned about feeling heard is I'm so close to feeling loved that's also a way people feel really loved and supported. It's just those practical ways people come alongside them and it's just so good to feel supported in that way by your community. Yeah, there's so many ways to to say I love you. Yes. And it doesn't have to be some grand gesture. It but doesn't. it can be as simple as just talking as Absolutely. we are today. Just a quick text. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you uh, talking with us and sharing your your work that you do but also just sharing like your story mm-hmm. and sharing your kind spirit and I, I appreciate that in which you brought into our space do you have any final words for our listeners as we're closing out mm, I just want to just thank you for having me today Ulysses and I just appreciate you and um, I appreciate all the work that you do and thank you for for holding this space well thank you that thank that you. made me feel warm yeah and uh and appreciated so thank you thank you so as we're closing out, I just want to remind our listeners that you can uh, listen to this episode wherever you uh, listen to your favorite podcast. 
And feel free to follow us on social media at Better Modesto Show on Instagram and also on Facebook. And you've been listening to The Better Modesto Show on KFIV 1360 and live on the iHeartRadio app. This is your host, Ulysses Vasquez, sharing the space with Aaron Nelson, founding executive director of Jessica's House. Thank you for listening. Thank you.